This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Liberal government struck down debate in the House of Commons on the internet censorship law, Bill C-11, to ram the legislation through Parliament. A Vancouver theatre that receives taxpayer funding from provincial, federal, and local government is hosting a drag queen camp for kids as young as seven where adults uh, coach them on becoming drag performers. Alberta Premier Daniel Smith's office has hinted at a possible defamation suit against CBC News. Following repeated reports, the ER office has been in contact with justice officials over COVID-19 and Coots border blockade charges. Aaron O'Toole, former Conservative leader, has announced that he will not be seeking re-election. Hello Canada, it's Friday, March 31st, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Rachel Emanuel, filling in for Anthony Fury. And I'm Andrew Lawton. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Liberal MPs voted to shut down debate on amendments which aim to protect the content posted online by individuals from the government's online censorship bill, C-11. Senators Julie Meville Deschamps and Paula Simons put forward amendments that could potentially exempt user-generated content on social media platforms from being subject to regulatory scrutiny by the CRTC. Those amendments were rejected by the Liberals earlier this month. In response to the Liberals shutting down debate in the House, Conservative MP Rachel Thomas said the government was, quote, very committed to censorship. Here's what that sounded like. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. So, Mr. Speaker, what we just heard from the government is that they've moved closure on Bill C-11 and our discussion with regard to the amendments that came back from the Senate. Uh, closure means that they are shutting down debate. Now, I find this rather interesting because really Bill C-11 is a censorship bill. So we have a government that it has moved a censorship bill, and now they are moving censorship on that censorship bill. So talk about a government very committed to censorship. They're not only wanting to censor what Canadians can see and hear and post online through Bill C-11, but the government is also wanting to censor us as opposition members and our ability to speak about this bill. Bill C-11 was passed in the House of Commons on Thursday evening. It will now head back to the Senate for debate. Andrew, we've been talking about Bill C-11 for a long time. We gained a little bit of time when the Senate sent the bill back to the House of Commons with amendments. Now we know that those amendments have been rejected. It's going back to the Senate. How long do you think it is until this bill is passed and becomes law? Well, it depends on whether the Senate has a spine here. Just to, you know, give people a primer on Politics 101, the House of Commons and the Senate must both pass identical versions of the bill. So if the House rejected the Senate's amendments, the Senate still has to approve that version of the bill with the amendments rejected. So the senators do have a lot of power. And I, I just want to make a, a point about uh, Paula Simons and Julie Meville-Deschen, the senators you mentioned. They were both liberal-appointed senators that were 
were pushing back against this. So there are people in the Senate, even those that were appointed at the advice of Justin Trudeau, that are not happy with how the government is proceeding with Bill C-11. And, and really, it depends on how firmly they will stick to those principles or whether ultimately they'll just pick the expedient option, which is passing the bill. So it sounds like Canadians can still get involved. They could still email their senators and let them know, hey, I'm really concerned about this legislation. We'd like you to try to amend it further in the Senate before it becomes law. Then it would delay the process longer. The government would be forced to take a look at the bill once again. But meanwhile, you know, Canadians are wondering, how can we protect ourselves online? I know Trent North is digging into what we can do to make sure that we're not deranked on search algorithms and search engines, for example. I remember a couple of months back, Jordan Peterson was recommending that people get a VPN and learn how to use Use it. Do you think something like a VPN is a viable solution for Canadians who are hoping that they aren't impacted by this bill once it becomes law and they're searching online for things? I don't. And I think it may help to some extent and it may help in some context. But the problem with a VPN is that a lot of people simply don't know how to use them. But the bigger problem is that VPNs can be blocked. Netflix is a great example of this. For years in Netflix's infancy, people were using a VPN in Canada to get on American Netflix, which just had this like absolute trove of content that Canadian Netflix didn't have. And Netflix got wise to this and realized that we need to block this. And now if you're using a VPN to do anything. Netflix says, you're using this, turn it off, or you can't use Netflix. The other problem is that on a site like YouTube, where you're browsing the website, and you don't need to be signed in to do it, sure, a VPN could help you access the non-Canadian government regulated homepage. But for things like Netflix, you need to have an account. And most people's accounts have to be registered with an address that will identify them as Canadian. So I, I think that, yes, it's some Something that you can do, but, but what I've heard people say is not true, which is that, oh, well, I have a VPN, so I'm not going to be affected by this. You will be. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. A Vancouver theater that receives scores of taxpayer funding from provincial, federal, and local government, the Carousel Theater for Young People in Vancouver, is advertising a, quote, junior drag camp, unquote, for kids aged 7 to 11, and a teen drag camp for the older set, those aged 12 to 17. This is an event that is, according to the website, giving children a, quote, drag makeup starter kit, unquote, to nurture the next generation of drag performers, apparently. According to publicly available Government of Canada grant data, the Carousel Theatre has received $280,000 of federal funding since 2018. The theatre also lists as donors and sponsors the City of Vancouver, Granville Island, the British Columbia Arts Council, and the Canada Council for the Arts. Drag queen events featuring children have become very controversial in Canada and elsewhere. Several drag queen storytelling 
times uh, where drag performers read to kids in libraries have attracted defenders and also detractors and protesters. This week, CBC released a new segment called Queens and Kids in Class, an honest conversation about drag, gender, and dress-up featuring young students sitting down with the drag performers Barb Wire and Rose Beef, perhaps not their legal names, to learn about drag queens. So a lot of the time people have said these things are harmless, it's just an activity that uh, parents may wish to take their kids to. Uh, There are some people that I think will probably draw a line if they haven't already when we're talking about coaching kids into this, or do you think that's perhaps a bit optimistic? I suspect that people that are already in support of drag queens and the type of people that are already bringing their children to say drag queen story hour aren't going to have an issue with it. I don't know if they'll be lining their kid up to maybe be coached on how to be a drag queen. I suppose that depends on how their child perceived the drag queen and how they responded to maybe event they went to with a drag queen. But I think the people that are already sending their kids to these types of events and who are generally supportive of it aren't going to have an issue with this. I think the people that are going to get really angry about kids being coached on how to be a drag queen are people that are already upset and the type of people that are already going out to protest drag queen story hours at the public libraries, at the public pools. The controversy really comes down to the question of age appropriateness. And uh, there are, I'm assuming, many of these drag shows that are completely harmless, that are completely asexual, there's nothing wrong with them. But everyone has also seen the clips where the opposite is true, where these things are highly sexualized, where you have people in very provocative clothing and kids there as well. So can you separate the sexuality from this fad or this trend? I absolutely cannot, and I don't think there's any reason to even try to. For example, our own Lindsay Shepard did an excellent column the other day on this, and the very nature of drag queens is that they are sexual. You can't even look up a drag queen on the internet, check their Instagram page without seeing sexually explicit photos of themselves, you know, wearing very little clothing, showing off their fake body parts, their fake breasts, their fake their fake butts. And so I think the very nature of the practice is something that's always been sexually explicit by nature. And just because we're putting them in libraries doesn't automatically remove that element. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Alberta Premier Daniel Smith's office is hinting at a defamation suit against the CBC. This news comes after repeated reports that Smith's office has been in contact with justice officials over COVID-19 and Coots border blockade charges. The latest report came on Wednesday after a call between Smith and controversial street pastor Art Pulowski was released. On the call, Smith says she's been in weekly contact with prosecutors regarding the pastor's criminal charges from his involvement with the Coots border blockade. Rob Anderson, the executive director of the Premier's office, who was repeatedly referenced on the leaked call as the main official active on the prosecution files, took to Twitter to describe CBC's reporting as, quote, defamatory. Anderson tweeted, quote, These NDP hacks are a disgrace to journalism. How many more defamation lawsuits will be settled using taxpayer dollars? CBC Head of Public Affairs Chuck Thompson told True North that the outlet has not been served legal notice as of yet. Thompson said, quote, Given we have the lead news service on the story, it's not surprising CBC is garnering a lot of attention. 
Andrew, the story has been in the news cycle repeatedly throughout this year here in Alberta. First back in January when the first stories broke that maybe the premier was inappropriately pressuring crown prosecutors or justice officials regarding these COVID cases and hoping to get them dropped. We know that she denies those claims. She even said they were defamation. But following this latest story, we're seeing the language change from her office. It's becoming a little bit stronger. They're now saying that people that are defaming them are going to have to watch out and that they're going to be taking action on them for these continued, you know, defamatory claims. So they're sort of hinting on a lawsuit here. I'm wondering, you know, do you think this is something that would actually be helpful for the premier? Do you think that that would be received well by voters in Alberta? Or at this point, you know, we're less than two months away from a provincial vote here. Would it be better for the office just to let the story die out? Well, it depends. I think that going up against CBC may help in Alberta with the electorate. It certainly is a bit of a rallying cry for Danielle Smith's supporters. I I think it, at the same time, depending on the timeline of this, could be very inconvenient in trying to run an election if all of a sudden disclosure and documents and process and all of that start coming up. But I I think Danielle Smith cannot just apologize anytime one of these slam stories comes up, which I think was the instinct a little bit earlier on in her leadership and premiership. So I think saying, no, this is absolutely wrong. We're taking aim at you is probably the right call. Whether it's all bluster or not, I I don't know. I think in politics, we see this brinksmanship from time to time. And a lot of people generally don't like the idea of politicians suing the media. But if she believes that she was in fact defamed, then, you know, she has every right to do that. I think it would be a rallying cry for her base and her rural supporters. But those are people that she's already pretty sure are going to come out and vote for her you know, in the May election, what the party's really focused on right now is getting those seats in Edmonton, is getting those seats in Calgary. I don't know if for those middle ground voters who are a little bit unsure of Smith, you know, some of them think maybe she's a little bit crazy because that's the NDP narrative that we're seeing that she's not fit for office. I don't know if it would convince them that she is a strong premier and she's what they're looking for. They might consider it a waste of taxpayer dollars, but you're right. If they are being defamed, they absolutely have a right to pursue this defamation suit. It just makes it tricky in that it's being used with taxpayer dollars. So it needs to be considered very seriously. At the same time, the premier's office has told me the last time these stories broke, it didn't really hurt them in the polls and they don't think it's going to hurt them in the polls this time around. Obviously, this is a huge story in Alberta. I'm wondering, what is the perception elsewhere in Canada, in Ontario? Is this something people are talking about or is this really just a big deal here in Alberta? I mean, I try to spend more of my time talking to Albertans than Ontarians, so I might not be the one that has the finger on the pulse. But I think that it depends whether you're talking about political observers or not. I mean, people that are political junkies are, of course, talking about this. And, and you know, I think it feeds into existing stereotypes. If you listen to the actual call, Danielle Smith is saying privately what she said publicly, which is, you know, I can't just go in and interfere. I can't go in and direct anyone to drop your case. And she even talks about the Justin Trudeau example with SNC-Lavalin and saying, you know, that would be a problem to do what they're doing. So I think a lot of people are just unhappy that she even had a conversation with Pastor Pulowski in the first place. Conservative MP and former Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole has announced he is not seeking re-election. In a statement published this morning, he said Canada is an incredible country and he was fortunate to serve in the military and in Parliament. He vowed to continue serving Canada, but to step back from public life. He did not mention Pierre Polyev in his statement, but did say that the Conservative Party is the party of confederation and he believes it will, quote, return to government, offering the 
hope and ideas our country so desperately needs, unquote. O'Toole previously served as Veterans Affairs Minister in the Stephen Harper government, was elected conservative leader in 2020, and then went on to contest the 2021 election, which he lost to Justin Trudeau, and as we know, was ousted by his own caucus. Now, uh, Aaron O'Toole, I think, you know, I've met him personally. He's a, a very decent guy. Uh, do you think this is genuinely him believing that he just should no longer be in public life? Or do you think there's a bit of soreness about how his leadership tenure ended? There's probably a bit of soreness there. We see that Pierre Polyev isn't mentioned in his goodbye statement and his sort of thank you statement and final wishes to the Conservative Party, which is always something of note. You know, there was a lot of observation when Finance Minister Travis Taves here in Alberta didn't thank Alberta Premier Danielle Smith or wish her well in the upcoming election. That was sort of quite the bit of fodder during politics here for a little while. And, you know, the other thing about it is the direction of the Conservative Party under Pierre Polyev has changed drastically. And maybe Aaron O'Toole just isn't happy with the direction it's going in. Maybe it's not the type of Conservative Party that he'd like to see. We know he obviously led a very different vision. So maybe it's just easier, you know, maybe it's time for him to say goodbye and let the party be what it's going to be in this time period and something maybe he doesn't want to be a part of or that he doesn't think is necessarily reflective of his own Conservative values. Well, that's it for today, and don't forget to check in at tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And as always, if you're able, please consider supporting independent media. You can do that over at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.